0: Welcome to the
1: Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 314. And today in the show, we're back for another rut fresh radio episode in which we're getting the latest intel from across the country on the whitetail rut, how deer activity is changing, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. It is Rut Fresh Radio here for you this week in which we're giving you our weekly update from myself and from Spencer Newharth and from a series of hunters all across the country on what's happening in the woods, what's the progress of the rut, how are deer acting, what kind of tactics are working right now. That's what we're going to do and it is November no more exciting time to be in the woods. There's no more exciting time to listen to Rut Fresh Radio, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and we've got all sorts of good stuff today, don't we, man?
2: Yeah, um, this is the time of year where you could just about not listen to the podcast. I hope that you do because I think you're still going to get good info. But kind of everything goes out the window when it is these first, you know, like 15 days of. November, the weather doesn't really matter. The moon doesn't really matter. Um, the biggest thing that matters is that you're in the woods and that it's early November because the rut is going to be happening. As
1: uh, as some might say, the rut is fresh. Ah, it's a good one. <laughs> I haven't been sleeping very much lately, so my, my wit and my humor is probably off off right now. <laughs> that's okay. I, I think we were due to fit that in somewhere. So. <laughs> it it had to happen. Ah, uh, but yeah, man, so we've got rut reports from four different people today, but you've got a rut report yourself, right?
2: Yeah, I came back to South Dakota for a week of hunting, and I actually tagged out on my third day. The deer movement was great while I was here. If if you were to break like the rut down into the phases as we like to do, it's not always you know as cute and, and in these boxes as we think, but if you want to do that... Um, I would say right now we're in like the chasing phase, which is a really exciting time to be in the woods because different than seeking the, the deer aren't out just like looking for does, they are harassing the does and that can move them all over a property. And so, and it can move them all over property, like at any time of day too. I think we might still be a few days away from like those big mature bucks Showing themselves at midday and harassing does, but right now there's a ton of one and a half, two and a half, three year and a half year old bucks that are out harassing these does, and it's a really fun time to be in the woods, and that's what was going on when I was out there on November 4th. Uh, it was only about 20 minutes into shooting light. I was hunting some doe bedding. The does had showed up, and they got nervous because this buck was around, and, and he chased them off. And after they were gone, I grunted him in and shot him at 12 yards. And, and that was my South Dakota archery season.
1: Is this uh did you have any trail cameras running on these properties or did you go in completely blind this year? Nothing. I was going in completely blind,
2: um, which is sort of new. Uh, I, I usually am running at least a dozen trail cameras and am actively scouting these properties. But with the move to Montana, I decided I was just going to do everything blind this year. Um, and I really regret regretted it when i got back uh, I'd, I'd love to have that intel but it was also exciting just being out there and seeing all these deer sort of for the first time yeah did you see any other nice bucks um i i saw maybe one and a one other buck that would have been a mature buck that i would have shot but for the most part the action that i was seeing was those one and a half two and a half three and a half year old deer really out harassing those does. But I think if I was in a tree right now or these next couple of days, you would start to see some of those more mature deer showing up and probably deer that even if you did run trail cameras, you maybe weren't even familiar with because they're
1: making these longer extended walkabouts looking for does. Yeah. Tis the season. Um, okay. Well, that is awesome. Congrats on the buck. Um, beautiful deer, dude. Beautiful. Thank the you. The South Dakota deer. I feel like those prairie deer all have that somewhat unique coloration. I don't know if you've ever noticed that because that's where you grew up, but they just have this, they, they blend in really well with that grass out there. It seems like they're just a little bit lighter. Um, and I think that's uh they're pretty deer. Yeah.
2: It's uh it's a fun area to hunt and I will certainly be coming back every year, no matter where I live.
1: Yeah. So I've been at it in Michigan too. I can give you an update. Um, the rut really started to pick up around here on Halloween night. Halloween night is when I saw my first real running activity. Um, I went out there and it was actually nasty conditions. It was 20 to 30 mile an hour wind, rain, and then eventually snow. And in my head, I was like, should I take the night off and get some family time in or get some work done? Cause it's just so gnarly out there. Everything's probably gonna be bedded down, but I just was like, man, it's Halloween night, like I haven't missed a Halloween sit in forever. Y- you gotta just be out there. You never know what could happen. So I went out, sat a box blind actually, just figured oh, I'll 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 go somewhere where it's not gonna be a horrible impact if the wind is crazy. But at least I can see something. And uh, ended up seeing a ton of deer. Bucks were all over the place, and I saw my target buck for the first time while hunting. Uh, I saw Tran. So Tran was back in the bedding area and the neighbors. I could see him and started like, running around. And then he actually ran all the way right to the edge of the property I can hunt and then spun right at the last minute, probably at 60 yards. And then a doe had popped out and he spun and chased her up and then ran way off in the distance. But it was cool to have that first encounter. That was exciting. And then the next day was November 1st, so I started my all-day sits. Um, sat that day and in the morning I'm hunting downwind of a doe bedding area, just like you were and I have a couple young bucks come cruising through, and then I spot a big set of legs off in the distance, pull up my binos, and right away I can tell that's a, that's a good buck. And then I all of a sudden realize, ooh, that's, that's this buck I've been calling RB. Uh, my buddy was like, ooh, man, that buck's risky business because we didn't know if he was three or four. So I was referring to him as RB. That's him. Give him a grunt, and then he just turns and starts walking right at me and then stops, rips up a tree, and then comes right in. Now this buck I can't remember. Have we talked about this buck you and you and I yet? No. Okay. So this is a deer I saw all summer when I was out glassing bean fields in the properties. Really nice deer. Um, I kind of assumed that he was three. He's maybe one thirties type ten point buck, uh, which is a really good buck for around here. Um, You know I've only had a handful of bucks like that on this farm ever. Um, last year with that Buck Frank I killed, he was an anomaly. We never have deer like that. Usually, you know, 120 class three year olds are the best we've got in the farm. Well, this year I had a 130 class three year old nine pointer, and then a 130 something ten pointer. This deer that I was thinking was three as well, but I started looking at trail camera pictures of him throughout the fall, and I'm like, dang, maybe he's older. Looking at the body, I was like, gosh, some of these pictures he looks like he's got a tank of a body. So I've just kept on going back and forth, back and forth. I've, I've been, you know, thinking about trans so much, this this 4-year-old 8-pointer that I passed last year that I really thought this year was going to be all about trans. So I've been so focused and trying to dial in what he's doing and trying to get in there after him. And so I kind of get hung up on that single buck thing, as you know. Um, but then I started looking at pictures of, of this deer RB, and I'm thinking, man, if he's 4, you know, 4-year-old buck in Michigan, that's something you can't pass on. Um so I just kept on going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in my head. Every time I go out to the tree I'd look at a picture of him and be like, What would I do if he showed up? And then I kinda left it at that'll be a game time decision. If he shows up and he just looks like an absolute tank and you get pumped up, let it let it rip. Um, if not, don't. Well, November first, here he comes. And he comes in on a string, comes right in and steps into my shooting lane. I draw back, he's at twenty yards. And I'm still I still am like, I don't know. And so I didn't shoot. I just couldn't bring myself to shoot in that moment. Um, because if I shoot that buck, then I'm not going to hunt Tran the rest of the year. Because I had to save a tag for the back 40. So it would have been the end of my hunting on, on this property that I like to spend a lot of time on. And what was the I, date of that again? The morning of November 1st. And he was just out cruising. And he came in right to that grunt call. Passed on him. And then as he walked away, I got I got more time to look at him because when he came in, he came in fast, he came in through the brush. I knew it was him, but I couldn't really look at him well. But as he walked away, I could see him, and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> he looks really nice. I mean, he's a nice buck, um, one of the top few deer probably as far as antlers and body you know, that I've had on this farm over the years. Um, but I passed on him, and then at that point I was like, well, you're crazy. But you sure as hell better get a shot at Tran after doing that. (laughs) So hunted the rest of the day, saw some more cruising. Lots of, like, 2-year-olds up on their feet cruising around. um, Year-and-a-half-olds as well. And saw a decent 3-year-old that night. Again, all doing the same thing, checking out doe bedding ears. Um, The next morning, I go back into the same general zone but just bumped one doe bedding area over. There's kind of a series of three doe bedding areas on one side of this property. Uh, One of them is on the neighbors. Two of them are on mine. And I can get kind of along this line. And then you'll get these bucks that go from bedding area to bedding area to bedding area and just follow the edge of it. And I'm on that edge. Uh, Well, at first light, I hear crashing around behind me. And I turn around and I just see a profile of a rack passing through the brush. And I'm like, bam like instantly could tell that was Tran. And he was right there, I don't know, thirty yards probably, but this is before shooting light. This is as it's just light enough that you can see stuff, but like I could I would never be able to get a shot and it was still too early. I saw him pass through. He was in there and you could just hear crunching around and things snapping something and man he's in there with a dill. The way it sounded like it was he he was in there for a long period of time, but he never popped out again. I couldn't see him, couldn't coax him out, nothing. So then I wait, I wait, I wait, I watch. And then a little two-year-old eight pointer comes running out. And then I start second guessing myself. Was this the buck that was in there the whole time? Did I somehow in my head just get overexcited and think it was Tran and instead it was this, this, this two-year-old eight. Well, he putts out and, um, then a doe heads out and there's no other buck behind her. So then that's what I end up thinking. Okay. That's, that must be what happened. Um, so I feel kind of like an idiot. I was getting all fired up and then the buck I thought it was, wasn't even in there. I'd also seen a trespasser that morning um, walking across one of my neighbors. And so I was busy trying to get a hold of the conservation officer and trying to get a hold of my neighbor. And so I'm dealing with all that. And then I turn around again, and there's Tran. He's standing at like 60 yards with a doe. So he had been in there, um, but this other buck had passed through. So Tran's out there at 60 yards. He came out of the bedding area. He's with a doe. And long story short, he's out of range but he's on this doe and he does these long circles around her, like getting closer and then farther, closer and then farther. And then at one point he walked way off, like several hundred yards away. And I was like, okay, it's done. The doe is way over there. And then I, I look to my right to see what's going on. If there's anything behind me, turn back. And there's like four or five does running right at me at like 20 yards and trans right behind him. And I'm like, Holy crap, it's going to happen. I grab my bow. I'm thinking in my head, is this real life? Um, He's tearing at me. He's at sixty, he's at fifty-five, he's at fifty, and then he stops. He turns around, goes whack walking back towards the one solitary doe that he'd been with the whole time. That was the story of November 2nd. Tran was was on that doe. Um hot and heavy with her. Couldn't get him to Couldn't get him to give her up. Didn't get the shot, but it was exciting. Um and then that was That was it. I tried to hunt again that evening, hoping that she would cycle back through or circle back through with him. I moved to stand 30 yards closer to where they were at, hoping maybe they'd follow that same entry point into the bedding area, but they did not, and the next day I had to move to the back 40, because we were starting to film our rut hunts here on the back 40, so I will try to speed this along. I won't give the full story, because I'll probably do a big recap of this um, with Dan on a main episode here soon, but... The rut fresh report on the back 40 was that it was very, very slow. I mean, we were seeing hardly anything. Um, hunting our best spots. Finally going into the honey hole, which is this awesome ridge transition slash bedding area that I thought would be just, bucks have to be passing through there. Um, then I moved to a pinch point along the edge of a swamp. So good looking. But we're seeing three does in a year and a half old in the morning. Two does in a year and a half fold in the evening a doe and a buck in the morning, a doe and two year and a half holds in the evening. I mean, just deathly slow days. Um, so it's getting pretty frustrating, but yesterday morning, I uh, heard a buck bumping a doe around in the brush, but can never see them. Kept on watching, kept on watching, kept on watching. Then I turn, look over my back and I see a big buck running across the field. And it was this deer that The one buck that we've gotten the most pictures of that I saw once because I bumped him. This buck I was kind of referring to as the wide eight. The wide eight's running across this ridge behind me. I bust out my grunt tube. I fire off a a loud grunt. And he stops on a dime, turns and looks, and then starts jogging right at me. And long story short, after going downwind of me, came downwind, stopped, put his nose in the air, sniff, sniff, sniff. Take a few steps, looking at me, sniff, sniff, sniff. Keeps coming right in. Gets to 20 yards. Double lung him. And that was my rut on the back 40. Killed our first buck off the back 40. Proved that a thorough scent control process can pay off. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> had a hell of a day. So it was nice to finally see some running action out there because up to that point it had been uh, tough. But I think that was a great reminder for me, and I have these every year the rut can be so hot and cold even though it might be a day that's supposed to be great if you're not in it it can be nothing you won't see any deer at all you might see a few does it could just feel like the rut has passed you by but then in a second in you know in a moment it could all change so the rut for me is all about trying to play that mental game trying to stay positive and focused because when the moments come they're they're quick and you got to be ready for it yeah and i think that there is a
2: level of maturity that comes with understanding that during the rut because oftentimes your best rut setups are going to be in some kind of tight corridor where you don't have much for a line of vision and so you could go to a place like that that's like the perfect funnel but you can't see you know beyond 50 yards and so you could sit there all day and not see any deer but when you do it's those encounters that count and then there's a level of maturity that comes with understanding that and accepting that you know an observation stand might get you a sighting of a dozen deer, but it doesn't really do you any good if, if they're not within bow range. Yeah, it definitely
1: is hard to do that unless you have experience that tells you, hey, it's going to be okay. These long, slow sits are worth it if you know you're in the right places. Um, like you said, that does take some, some experience and some maturity to to know that and accept that. Um, so it was nice to see that come to fruition for me here recently and glad it did for you too.
2: Yeah. Well, congrats on the awesome deer. Um, and it sounds like we both agree that the rut is here and maybe the best days are coming like this weekend or right around this weekend. If you need any further, uh, motivation to, to get out and hunt here in these coming days. Last year, I did an article for meat eater on the best day of the white tail runs. And I reached out to 10 people that I would consider to be white tail experts, like Bill Winky. Tony Peterson, Mark Drury, and I asked them what their absolute favorite day of the rut is, and 70% of them agreed on a day between November 7th and November 10th. So this four-day window coming up here, November 7th and November 10th, many hunters who have a ton of clout agree, is the best time to be in the woods.
1: Can't beat it, man. This is the Super Bowl, and uh, I've got one more tag in Michigan, and a big eight pointer with uh with his name on it. So hopefully we'll have some good news on that front soon too. Yeah. Well besides from us this week you'll hear from Mike
2: Hunsucker in Missouri from Heartland Bow Hunter. Then we go to New Jersey and talk to Pat Cutter from Red Hand Outdoor Company. And then in Texas we talk to Tyler Jones from the Element Podcast, and then we talk to Sam Soholt from the Public Land Bus in South Dakota. Isn't it the Public Land van now? Didn't he move I think on? It, it, well, he still has both. It's not the public land bus isn't gone. It's just now he has downsized and, and made his fleet
1: a little more versatile. <laughs> nice. Versatility is key. That's a key thing to think about during the rut as well. So with that said, I'm I'm ready to wrap this up if you are and get to those interviews. Alright. Happy rut, and we will talk to you next week.
0: Now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition For all things auto, do it yourself, and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater.
2: All right, and joining us on the line next is Mike Hunsucker from Heartland Bow Hunter in Missouri. Now, Mike, in Missouri, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
3: I would say probably a 7 probably. Uh seems like you know we're seeing a lot of cruising, a lot of younger bucks cruising. Um seeing some mature deer on their feet, um uh, but not quite running hard yet. So I think it's you know they're they're seeking a lot, they're they're hitting scrapes and and uh you know moving around, but um I don't think it's full bore yet.
2: What's your strategy for trail cameras this time of year?
3: Oh man, I <laughs> you really should just throw them out, throw the trail camera strategy out the window. I feel like it's, it's like, Oh, we get so hooked on, you know, trying to figure out what a deer is doing and trying to figure out what, what area the deer is in. And, um, you know, they definitely can't help. We, we run some cellular cameras and it is nice to know, um, you know, when a buck's cruising in a scrape when he, especially in the, in the coming weeks, you know, when he might be in between does and he might be looking, it's good to know then. Um, otherwise, man, they can really just <laughs> seems like they just drive you nuts this time of year because, you know, you check one and you're like, oh, I should have been here and should have been there, and it's one of those deals this time of year. You just got to get in the woods and hunt your spots that are the most productive, and, um, you know, you just got to hunt hard and, and hope the luck falls in your favor.
2: You just mentioned scrapes. Are you still seeing some fresh sign-making in Missouri?
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, they're hitting the scrapes really hard right now. It seems like i um, seen a lot of bucks hitting scrapes. Actually, a buck that I was hunting this past week in Missouri, Um was actually frequenting this scrape but two days in a row middle of the day like 1 30 one day and two o'clock the next day before it before the time change but basically you know early early midday so
2: now for most hunters using a decoy is kind of a hail mary but it seems like you have a ton of success doing it so much so that you just decoyed in two bucks today tell me about what your decoy strategies are
3: yeah i absolutely love using a decoy this time of year um when the bucks are just on their feet, just, you know, cruising, cruising, cruising. Um, you know, decoys are hit or miss. A lot of people don't have success with them because, you know, I use buck decoy, uh, exclusively. I don't really mess with a doe decoy yet or at all. I really haven't much uh, at all really. So, um, but those will get nervous with the buck decoy and they'll come in and they'll stomp and blow and run off and they can mess up a hunt. And so, you know, a lot, most of the time I'm not using them in super high deer density areas. Um, where you know you're hoping to see a bunch of deer a lot of times it's more of an observation sitting spot where i can kind of sit back look see movement maybe call the deer um you know there are there's an exception i mean like actually this morning you know i was hunting over a plot with one um and i would never usually hunt a more uh, you know food plot in the morning um or with a decoy but this time of year the does are being harassed so much in these food plots they're, they're not really spending much time in there so the bucks are coming they'll come and pop up and check them, but the does aren't, you know, spending a ton of time in the food plot. So I just kind of, kind of risk it there.
2: Do you do anything with scents during the rut?
3: You know, I don't actually. Um, I probably should. <laughs> I just have never been a big scent guy. Um, I just have never been, you know, uh, big on introducing any other, any scent outside of, you know, minimal, minimal scent. So, um, I probably should though. I, I could see it being effective with a decoy. I have in the past actually saved bucks, you know, tarso glands off bucks, and I put them on the decoy when using it, because um, they always circle downwind of the decoy. That's the hard part is getting, is positioning the decoy to where they can circle downwind, come in to the setup without getting downwind of view and offer you a shot. And so um, I think, you know, having some scent could definitely, definitely help. Like uh, the encounter I had the night uh, last night, actually. The buck circled downwind of the decoy, and he circled wide downwind, so he kind of got to where he was on our, you know, almost downwind of us. And if we maybe had that scent, like he, he wasn't like he didn't pick us up big time and and freak, but he just kind of was like, I don't know, something's all right. So I think, it, you know, if we maybe we we had a little bit of a a, a buck scent on that decoy, I may have, you know, convinced him otherwise. But it's so hard to say.
2: When you do make a shot using a decoy, how does that often play out? Are you making the shot? as the buck approaches the decoy, or is it right after it gets up to the decoy? How how does that usually go for you?
3: It all depends. Um, Ideally, you shoot them before they get to the decoy uh, because most of the time they either get, you know, two or three feet and just charge it, and then they freak out because the decoy goes flying and it's hard plastic. Or sometimes they'll come up to it slowly. If they're not really aggressive and confident, they'll come up to it slowly, and they'll smell it, and they'll stick their nose up to it. Yeah, I don't know if it's the fact that it doesn't have any scent, or if it's a, that it's like hard plastic that they just they just know it's not right. And a lot of times they'll they'll bust out, and you won't get a shot. And so I always try to get a shot prior, um, you know, to them getting too close. But it can be tough. I mean, uh, the buck I killed a couple of years ago in Iowa, I tried to stop, and they usually are so so into it that they don't really hear anything. And so getting in the stop can be really tough.
2: Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Missouri?
3: I would say it's going to be a 9 or a 10. i got to think, you know, these next few days especially, um, I think the deer are going to start really, really running hard. we got some good weather coming. Actually, the weather's been great the past week, and uh, really can't complain about the weather at all. So I think these next, uh, these next you know, 3, 4, 5 days could be pretty special.
2: All right, Mike. Well, I hope the decoy success continues. Good luck and thanks for joining me. All right. Thanks, man. All right. And joining us online next is Pat Cutter from Red Hand Outdoor Company in New Jersey. Now, Pat, in New Jersey, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
4: Hey, what's up, Spencer? Um, I'd say right now, today, uh, it's probably about a 7 or 8. Um, I, th- I think it's really starting to pick up now. Uh, I had. Uh, I had hunted yesterday morning, and uh, I passed up a good three-year-old ye- uh, yesterday. And also yesterday afternoon, I had a buck dogging a doe all behind me in the thick stuff. Um, I could never get a a crack at that one. Um, but this morning again, I, I went out, I went out this morning and had another buck chasing the doe all over the place, just just out of range. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's really turning on right now. Are you seeing
2: any midday movement yet? And if not, how far away do you think we are from some of that midday action?
4: Um, there, I, I did uh, check some cameras midday today, and I have been seeing some midday cruisers. Um, nothing, uh, nothing over the age of really four and a half. Some like two and three year old cruisers. But I think, you know, if you got the time now, I think now's the time to 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 sit all day and just put all your cards in.
2: Are you seeing any sign making still in New Jersey, and how do you factor that into your decision making?
4: Um, not as much. I mean, uh, scrapes have have kind of trickled out a little bit. Um, I think now they're just they're just looking for the for the for the does. Um, I would get you know you know in those typical funnels or or get you know downwind of known doe bedding areas and and just post up shop there and you know it's in this time of year it's all it's all a luck thing really. You just got to be at the right place at the right time and put your time in.
2: A lot of the country for this rut is dealing with standing crops. Is that something you're dealing with in New Jersey? Mm-hmm.
4: I have seen standing crops. Um, I did lose the one leaf that I'm on, um, so I'm not really hunting any ag uh, properties right now. But I have seen it. I have seen crops still standing, so I'm sure it's somewhat of an issue for for some guys. But uh, I'm all I'm hunting all big woods right now, so obviously it's not for me.
2: When you are hunting those big woods, what food sources are you focused
4: on right now? Um uh, up by us in the mountains up by us, a lot of red oaks this year. Um the whites really didn't produce this year, but but the ground is littered with red oaks and you know, I got some of my cameras on um video video mode and you could just see them just munching, you know, they cruise by the camera, they hit a scrape and they'll grab a couple of acorns and just keep moving. So they're all over the place this year.
2: When you're hunting the big woods in New Jersey on public land, I assume that you're forced to do some scouting as you go. What's your strategy for scouting this time of year when you plan on hunting right away?
4: I'm trying to find something that's going to pinch the deer, whether, you know, I got some spots, um, where there's some, there's some swamps, uh, swamps up on top of a ridge and I'm trying to, you know, find spots that'll pinch the deer through a spot, you know, within, you know, anywhere from. 30 to 50 yards where I can get a shot at them, um, something like that. Um, um, you know, this morning I hunted on top of a big mountain laurel ridge and, um, right, right at the point, like the, uh, the uh, thick laurels kind of open up a little bit. So they, so they run that edge. Um, so that's um, pretty much what I'm looking for. Um, but you know, it, it all depends. Like this morning, I set up on that edge and the deer were in the thick stuff and, they ended up cutting down to the bottom and I never, I never saw them again, but.
2: Do you do any calling when you're hunting public land in New Jersey?
4: I do. I mean, uh, these, these bucks, they they don't see too many humans or hunters. If you're getting back to to certain spots, um, they're, they're not hearing much of that. I do. I did call it the buck yesterday and I did call it the buck this morning, but they were, they were so focused on that, on that doe that it didn't make any difference and they just weren't leaving her. So.
2: Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in New Jersey?
4: I think it's going to stay pretty steady, um, around a seven, eight to nine, even. I mean, our our, our temperatures are right. We're coming into a good a good moon phase. Um, as long as they're not getting locked down, um, I think it's going to be good the next the next week or so.
2: All right, Pat. Well, good luck the rest of the fall. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Tyler Jones from the Element Podcast in Texas. Now, Tyler, in Texas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
5: Um, it's probably around a 6, man, um, I would say. I mean, there's been good buck acti- activity, I guess, if you want to look at scrapes. And um, we've seen a ton of young bucks fighting. I mean, I think we've got footage of bucks fighting on the 7th of October. Uh, which is early for us. I mean, it's it's usually going to be in the 90s as far as temperature goes that time of year. And um, so, I mean, we've had a, a good, uh, very cool October uh, after having the hottest September on record. And I think it really kicked um, the bucks into kind of overdrive, but I don't think it's necessarily done anything
2: for the dough. So as far as like stages of the run, we're still not quite there, I don't think. So when you hear a report out of some place like Indiana or Kansas for example how relatable is that for you guys in Texas?
4: I uh,
5: we don't typically pay a whole lot of attention to it. Um I mean and there's so many different eco-regions in Texas where you know we've uh we've got a coastal region, we've got the Panhandle region, you know mountains, uh piney woods, all these different regions so there's different uh windows. I mean we have deer that rut in August and in the brush country of south texas than they run in mid-december so um it's it's definitely you know very specific to the region but overall uh we don't pay attention to a lot of that i mean i got a report from a buddy uh yesterday and he said he, he saw bucks chasing at mid in iowa and and essentially saying get up here which i, I can't right now you know uh, but uh it's it doesn't mean a whole lot to us because um, I'm actually of hunting in Texas and um, a different part of the the state than I live in, and it's um, you know it's it's still deer checking scrapes and kind of uh, light cruising real early in the morning, but there's nothing late morning at all.
2: Are you seeing much for sign making right now? Then
5: yeah, there's a there's there is a pretty good um, you know number of scrapes. Um, I haven't seen a ton of roads here. I, I just
4: um, I think in the last.
5: Uh, week or so the temps have been pretty moderate. I know at home they've been in the um low to m- mid seventies um where I'm at right now we're still getting pushing into the mid sixties uh even though it's kind of cold in the mornings and at night um so you know it's uh I, I just don't know that they're all swollen up and ready to you know push trees around too much. I'm seeing a few in there, but uh mostly still scrapes and, and actually a guy on this hunt this morning shot. Uh, a real nice 8-point on a scrape uh, this morning. So it's definitely an effective thing for us here.
2: If you're not seeing much for rutting activity, then I imagine a lot of your focus has been on food. What food sources should hunters be looking for right now in Texas?
5: You know, oaks, well, at, back home where I'm at, oaks are a predominant uh, food source. Um, uh had another buddy shoot uh public land deer in late October, and he said there wasn't a, a thing in his stomach except for acorns. And um, so, um, I mean, what we'll, we'll do is usually start out in mid-October, early October, hunting these shoemart oaks back home, um, which are a red oak with a big acorn. And um, by this point, those are starting to fade. We've had a lot of the swamp oaks, uh, the willow oaks. Um, those kind of oaks are, are have dropped these really uh, bright orange acorns are on, on the inside. They're bright orange. so They've got a lot of cleanings in them. But they start to break down this month, uh, and especially into December. Those will become a a pretty good food source. Um, Persimmons are also something that is, um, depending on where you're at and how much wind you've had, um, they're probably about right right now. Um, They may be on the back end of that a little bit. Um, So those
2: are kind of the natural food sources that uh, we focus on this time of year. In a state like Texas, where you have limited public land and a lot of hunters, what is your strategy for hunting public land during pre-rut?
5: Um, it's really just about, um, you know, the more I look at it, I bounce around a lot. Um, and I think that it's more about, uh, we run some trail cameras, we can can usually see deer, uh if you see deer in august you usually you know in even september early september you usually don't see those deer again in my experience um throughout the season hardly at all but from that like back half of september on into october if you can use some pretty recent trail camera information um then just sitting there several nights in a row on good winds um, underneath oak trees that uh deer may be feeding on is really a good tactic and it it doesn't really, um, like you were saying, there's, there's limited public land in Texas, so it doesn't really matter. If you can see a place on the map that looks good and it's, it's a mile and a half in, there's probably going to be a stand there. So um, it doesn't matter how far you're going in really. It's really just about uh, getting boots on the ground um, even this time of year and uh, finding fresh sign and
2: then just hunting. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Texas?
5: Um, I think, um, across a lot of, a lot of maybe the Western half of Texas, we're really going to see the deer when I say Western half, probably the interstate 35, which goes through Dallas, Fort Worth, um, west of there, um, probably going to see a lot of, um, the whitetails are going to be really ramping up into the rut, um, as we go into the next week or so, um, East, I think, you know, out back where, where I hunt, where I'm, where we're from in our homes or at our home, there's, it's going to be probably more towards the middle of the month when we see, uh, things really start to, you know, kind of get to that chaotic level a little bit. So still got, you know, a couple of weeks before we get there. Um, but yeah, so Western, Western has to say, I think it's going to, it's going to be really good. I think we've got, uh, cold fronts coming in later this week. So that should really just, uh, you know, tip the scales.
2: All right, Tyler, well, good luck to you and Casey from the Element Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us online next is Sam Solholt from the Public Land Bus in South Dakota. Now, Sam, in South Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
6: You know, this first part of November, I would say it's right a, somewhere between a 5 and a 6. Um, it hasn't been, there hasn't been like all-out chasing um, there has been some smaller ducks that are cruising after does and, uh, uh, a couple of more mature deer chasing, but it's not like, uh, it's not on fire yet.
2: Now that seems low for this time of year, is that historically the kind of number that you would give or is there something this year that's making that buck movement, maybe a little bit worse for bow hunters?
6: You know, typically this early in November, uh, here it's, uh, it's kind of really just starting to kick off. And this year, I think what changed. Kind of what's been keeping it lower is the fact that I mean, basically the entire eastern half of South Dakota still has standing crop because of all the water um, back in this region. But yeah, I think a lot of the deer are, if they are running hard, they're possibly just doing it in the middle of a cornfield
2: instead of going through transitions or thickets or uh, timber stands. All that water that we've had in the Great Plains, has that changed anything else for you besides the delayed harvest?
6: You know, for me personally,
2: it definitely changed
6: some access points, uh, some places that had to work around to get into still. And I think it has changed deer movement. Uh, um, one area that has historically seen a few deer and the majority of the deer would bed in a cattail slough nearby. It is uh, absolutely full of deer this year simply because they are displaced by the water. Um, so I think it's definitely changed how deer are using the terrain, but it's also an opportunity to find Uh, some funnels and pinch points because of that water this year that probably didn't exist for the past decade.
2: If you're not seeing any of that midday movement quite yet, when do you expect for South Dakotans to see that kind of action?
6: I would say in the next day or two, it should kick off. Stuff should be moving all day. We've got a lot of, we've got a huge cold weather system coming over the next week. And I would imagine that the cold weather and just it being that time of the month will keep deer
2: on their feet all day. Now, you just killed a great buck there in eastern South Dakota on public land. Tell us about that setup and tell us about what you're looking for when you pick some of these places to bow hunt on public land.
6: So, I typically try to get to places that a lot of other people might not go or might overlook. Um, so, the setup I had was honestly just a real small island of trees kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it's to, uh, a spot I have seen deer in the past moving through, but I had never had a chance to get in there and hunt um, but it was, it's thick enough kind of on the perimeter that I knew it would be out of the wind I was hunting a windy day and happened to get in the right tree at the right time and had a had a really good my buck was actually chasing uh, was pursuing a doe through the, the uh, through the little thicket and she carried him right past me, so uh, 25 yards and he did not go very far after that
2: in the past, I know on public land, you've killed some deer this time of year using decoys. How do you decide when you're going to use a setup like that?
6: So typically for me, like I, I'm a fairly aggressive hunter when it comes to this time of year. I figure I pretty much I'll hunt a different spot uh, every hunt. And if, I, if I'm going to a spot that I know is highly visible, a lot of times I'll bring a decoy this time of year just to give me an extra advantage where if I do see a buck cruising at a distance, I can... Grunt at him or rattle at him to get his attention, and then when he looks over, he'll see the decoy and come check it out. Um, so I don't think any time in the month of November is a good time to use a decoy if you're in a place that's highly visible.
2: Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in South Dakota?
6: You know, I would say in the next two or three days, it should ramp right up to an eight or nine, um, and then be get kind of hold right there, if not bump all
2: the way to 10 over the next week. All right, Sam. Well, congrats on the awesome deer. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Mike, Pat, Tyler, and Sam for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. This is the absolute best time of the year to be in the woods. I hope everyone has a chance to take advantage of it. So happy rut. And if you're looking for more timely info like this, head over to the TheMeatEater.com. We have some written... RutFresh reports coming out every single week on Thursdays. We also have a ton of other great whitetail content from people like me, Mark Kenyon, and Tony Peterson that will hopefully help you tag a buck this year. We'll talk to you guys next week, but until then, stay wired to hunt.
0: I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart